0: Welcome back to another episode of Too Legit. Once again, my name is Anna, A.K.A. Anna Mission,
1: and I'm Kelsey Jan I go by KJ, A.K.A. Cage the Doer.
0: Yes, this is a podcast for non-traditional law students with non-traditional backgrounds. Our goal of this platform is to encourage and give those who are thinking about law school or who are already in law school some tips and tricks on how to navigate the legal profession in a strategic way. If you've listened to our last few episodes, you know that I was a former registered nurse. And I'm a former
1: flight attendant and still currently a serial entrepreneur.
0: Yes. So on today's topic, today.
2: Oh, my noisy kids. Okay. Hey, be quiet.
1: <laughs> you know what? This is uh, perf- this is a perfect uh, segue into the topic of today because yeah. our topic today is about, you know, the... Exact non-traditional, you know, older law student that has other things going on in their lives, and as you could hear, our special guest today has his kids in his background. So you know, those are some of the things that now we have to you know think about and deal with with COVID. So I'm actually kind of glad that this happened, and That's um, <laughs> yeah, and so you know, we we talk a lot about you know being an older student and what does that mean for us, and um, me personally, um, Anna and I talk about this all the time. You know, I've, I've been called old multiple times at school and, you know, I'm about 10 to 12 years older than the average law student, but it was a little bit of a shock to me to be called that to my face. But I've learned over the course of this past year and a half that there's so many advantages to being Mm -hmm. the the older student because we bring a lot of our experience to the table with you know family things friends things um, professors colleagues the way that you listen um, the way that uh, you apply to certain things and um, it can be very advantageous so I'm very excited to hear what our guest has to say today and um, what about you Anna.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, uh, working and living my life. I didn't really consider myself old. I actually thought that a lot of law students, um, started maybe four or five years after uh, undergrad, Mm -hmm. but, um, I was kind of like you, um, culture shock. There was a big culture shock when I realized that a lot of the, our colleagues or a lot of our classmates are K through JD or just straight.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, looking back like you know obviously now with everything and the job market the way it is I, I wouldn't blame someone wanting to go immediately to grad school just to kind of um you know see how things shake up especially after covid or mm-hmm. how this covid thing shakes out mm-hmm. but um yeah for me i i i i, I was like you know, i was like I, I think i bring a wealth of experience and i would think that, you know, that what I have to bring is valuable, but you know, sometimes it, you don't feel that way. You feel kind of left out. So okay. I'm Definitely. really glad we have our guest here today because he, I won't say older, i say he's a little bit more seasoned than us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, yeah, I just want to get his perspective on being an older law student and yeah, just give you a a brief introduction. He's a former filmmaker and is currently a member of a journal at our school. And without further ado, here is Ash Mir. Hey, Ash. hi, Ash. Hey, (laughs) hey,
2: how are you? Good to be here.
0: (laughs) Thank you for being here.
2: It's going really well. It's it's so nice that today is not raining. It is cloudy, um, but it, it's not raining. So that's really nice.
0: <laughs> I know. It's like it's been raining every day for like forever.
2: <laughs> it has. It has been raining every day for like forever.
0: Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm tempted. I told myself I wasn't going to get a, a happy light, but I think I'm going to have to bite the bullet and get one of those because. Oh, they're
2: so
1: good. Oh, they are good. I used to use one yeah? too when I was up there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going I'm to. I'm going to hop onto it and get a happy life. (laughs) Let's just give a big, uh, give a background for people who don't know you, Ash. Like where are you from originally and what did you do before law school?
2: So I am originally from uh, outside of DC. My dad worked for the government um, most of my life. I mean, before that I I was born in Boston, but uh, then lived around DC. And um, when I was younger, I was Really interested in the American Civil War. And I spent my sort of youth in the Library of Congress and the National Archives because by like 13, I had exhausted all the local bookstores and libraries about books on the Civil War. And so they're like, you should go to the Library of Congress. And so I used to go when I was like 15, I would ride my bike into DC and it was like 20 miles. And then I would spend the day at the National Archives, like looking at boxes of old soldiers' records and health receipts and like crazy stuff and you can't do any of that anymore like after 9-11 they sort of made it really impossible for just the average person to access like that kind of stuff is very sad but anyways um, I used to be a filmmaker and I went to grad school for filmmaking um, in Philadelphia and at the time I'd actually been admitted to law school and I had thought I wanted to be a lawyer but the law school that I was thinking about was the university of Pennsylvania. And I went to one of their very early uh, orientation meeting things. And I just really didn't like anyone there. And like the thought of spending three years with those people, like really horrified me. And I just like almost had like a panic attack when I was like in this like meeting room. Wow! And so I was in Philadelphia and I went, uh, and I applied instead to Temple University, which was a, had a film program. And I decided I would make documentaries and that that would be the way I would change the world. And so then the first like job I got after I finished grad school was making this documentary about this Black educator called W.E.B. Du Bois, who was part of like the Black intellectuals in the 1920s. And one of the things that always amazed me, yeah, he's a brilliant guy, amazed me about him is... We did like a a study of how many things he'd written, like major papers and poems and books and plays and just such a prolific guy. And he'd literally written something every week of his life, like his productive period every week of his life, he's literally creating something. And he realized that you just waste so much time in your life, like doing useless crap (laughs) today that they didn't have to do back then, right? Like all this stuff of like trying to balance your checkbook and, you know, what stocks you should be invested in and, you know, what your health plan is and all that stuff. It's just like, it's like noise. And that's why I really wanted to go back to law school Mm -hmm. is I realized over life like what are the parts of my life that are just noise Mm -hmm. and what are the parts of my life are the are the signal like what are the parts of my life I want to amplify um so I decided to go back to law school because I wasn't changing anything as a filmmaker and it was really hard to get anything done
1: right Hmm. so you wanted to embark on a greater purpose that you had yeah that same
0: did you have any influences? I know you said uh, W.E. Du Bois, but outside of that, any other influences uh, particularly that uh, ignited your passion again for law?
2: You know, I my grandfather was a lawyer and uh, my last project um, at grad school, which actually I, I finished as far as I wanted to take it mm-hmm. and I just left. Uh, grad school because I got really sort of fed up with the whole like sort of grad school system. Mm -hmm. But in any case uh, it was about my grandfather and he was a lawyer. He was a barrister uh, in India um, during partition. And he sort of got very involved in politics and stuff and I was named after him. And so because of that, I was sort of always reminded growing up about being a lawyer and Oh, of course I'd be expected to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Mm And so I went to law, tried to go to law school, like I said, right after college, Mm -hmm. but I really didn't want to be a lawyer. Like I really didn't want to be what had been predicted for me. It really felt like I was just giving up if I did that. So I felt like I have this creative bone. I should see if I can do something with it. But I I ultimately realized that I wasn't actually being that creative, making media. I was doing it mostly for advertising because that's, really where the money is and it's sort of like a drug and you get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep doing advertising and you're like, Oh, I hate this stuff, but they pay me really well. Right, right. Sorry. I got tangential. No, no, what no. That no, no, that
1: no that, that's so great. Cause I, I honestly feel the same way too, in a lot of ways um, because I think of myself as more of a creative person as well. And you and I have connected on a lot of those things. So I love hearing, um, you know, working for a greater purpose too.
2: I think it's, I think it's hard. I think people don't have a good impression of the law because I think we sort of see media impressions of the law or we, uh, through our politics, we encounter uses of the law that feel really, um, what's the word, uh, Regimented or uh, ideological, and not really based in um, some sort of principle, like the, like it claims to be. Like the law really claims to be about principle, right. and you sort of see as, and especially as you get older and you have more experiences in life, you see the sort of hypocrisy of that. So you sort of get frustrated with the law, and you think, "Oh, the law is bullshit." And then you see like lawyers on TV, and they seem so bullshit, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, I
1: think a lot of people think that too. With like a lot of the legal field just being dis, um, inherently disparaging, so yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and and uncreative. Like we think it's not creative. We think it's people just grabbing a statute and you know shoving it in your face when you're you're trying to make some sort of progressive change. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I have really enjoyed about learning the law is those occasional cases one comes across or the stories one comes across where someone really uses the law almost like a wedge to stop some like huge juggernaut of injustice that's sort of moving forward and even if even if they can't actually stop it like that moment of slowing it's just so Mm -hmm. satisfying like you see when someone does that with the law and they like you know dig out a, a a, a sliver big enough to like stop something that's, that's really unfair. And you think, okay, that's really yeah. creative. Like that's creative, like a way that nothing in filmmaking or storytelling or any of those sort of things, or even image making that I thought mm-hmm. were, were really earth changing can really right. do. All right. Like I always compare the law with that painting Guernica because it was Guernica. Cause that was really, like Anna asks for influences. That was really the moment when I thought about one's role in the world and your responsibility mm-hmm. for things. Mm-hmm. And that painting is just so in your face with, "Look, you've done this, and you have some mm-hmm. responsibility for making sure this doesn't happen mm-hmm. again. You know it's and there are a lot of pieces of work of our art like that. There's music like that. There's poetry like that. But for me, it was that painting because I guess I saw it at a time in my life where it made a right. big impression on me. Um, and so I think about that, that feeling like you have to do something that's going to change things and going to make things change for the better. And really the law is the place where those sort of things can happen if you are creative with it. And if you go to it with, you know, a good intention.
0: I I wanted to, um, yeah, because everything you're saying is is fantastic. And I wanted to um, turn into our topic of today, which is how do you manage being an older student in law school? Or how do you manage, yeah, just law school as an older student, especially now? Mm -hmm. And we came up with a few rules. They're not, obviously not exhaustive, but we think that, you know, they would be helpful and you can obviously um, elaborate on this, but the rules that we came up with was what you were saying. One, leverage your experience. Number two, find your pack. And number three, find your cub. And we'll get into our analysis and divulge what all those um, actual rules mean. But right. yeah, if we could just uh, switch back into like leveraging your experience, how how have you uh, been able to leverage your experience that you don't think most younger students have been able to do so far?
2: Well, personally, I feel very bad for most younger <laughs> students. And, and when I go into like networking and job interviewing yeah. situations, I feel like a cheerleader because I see them and I see that their like eyes are so big and there's so much that they want to say and they want to do and they just <laughs> won't do it. Right. They're just like restrained by something. And I feel yeah. like the reverse. I feel like. I'm so old that I have like nothing to offer, (laughs) but at the same time, I, I'm very good at like talking to people. Like I don't have a problem with it. It doesn't intimidate me in any way. Cause I figure like all the things I've heard said to me over my life, like none of them really have turned out to actually be Mm. a big deal. And so as much as they hurt me at the time, I now feel like, nah, If it happens, it happens. Right. Right. Uh, You roll with the punches
1: a little bit better. So there's not as much pressure because I'll, I'll agree with you every time there was some type of like interviewing or networking situation, a lot of the younger students, you know, the K through JD years have never had a job before. So they have no idea what those type of situations are like. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's where I feel really excited because that's where I excel as well. So yeah, totally.
2: Yeah. So I feel like that's a, a really important part of leveraging your experience is just taking your sort of comfort with those sort of situations that other people are uncomfortable in. Like that's, that's, I feel like the best thing that I have from, from a lifetime of working. I also feel like just being interested in things. Like I think that that's something that I really learned from the particular experience that I had, because one of the reasons I think I got into documentary filmmaking to begin with is I like that idea of serial deep dives. Like you talk about yourself as a serial entrepreneur. Like I like to do five years of just working really hard on one Mm. idea or one industry or one area of like human endeavor and like learning everything Mm -hmm. about that, but, but doing it for a short period of time and then moving on to another area. And I think that's what I really liked about doing documentaries. And that's what I really also like about the law is that a lot of these cases you like, you build them and you craft them and you have the time and the space, which there's so few, you know, endeavors in life anymore where you have the time and the space to sort of think Mm -hmm. about something. Mm -hmm. Even it's not a lot of time, but it's, it's still more time than you have probably most jobs to actually like plan out Mm -hmm. what you want to say. Um, and I think that's really important. I think that's really important. And I think that I've learned that from Well, Oh, definitely.
1: And- I think another thing that um, works to certain advantages is how the um, interactions between us and professors. Because oftentimes, you know, we're the ones handwriting our notes. So therefore our eyes are more engaged. You know, we're not just constantly, you know, on our laptops. And then, you know, just little things like packing up, Just like certain respectful things, not interrupting a professor, addressing them in a certain way, making sure that you're emailing certain things, um, what you say in in class as well. All those things are always being assessed Mm -hmm. by the professor. And I think sometimes they Mm -hmm. appreciate um, different things that we bring to the table, as well as what you were talking about before, having a purpose, you know. You know, you come into the game with an idea and a reason why that you're here. You didn't just go to law school because, you know, yeah, because you felt like you had nothing else to do or that's the only way you can access your trust money. Right. So we have us. And I think um, people in the field love seeing that as well. Like, you know why you're here and you want to make a difference.
2: I feel like ultimately people are going to, if, if they want to work with you, they're going to judge you as, is that someone exactly. I want to work with? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that we have experience working with different people in different kinds of environments. And I, I think that comes out really well, really strongly. And I was also thinking just about like, what is the advantage that younger law students have? Um, Cause there is some advantage obviously, yeah. Um, and I, I was thinking about it, and to me, it really feels like the advantage they have is a kind of yes timeliness, right they They have been trained up to mm-hmm. this point, and they're the latest to be trained up to this point. So any kind of older, um, less uh, less progressive or or less um, current, point of view isn't sort of indoctrinated right. in them. And so I think that's that's the advantage like younger students have. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it because people often talk about their advantage from like a technological mm-hmm. point of view. And I will admit that like certain of the students like facility with, you know, Excel or facility with uh, whatever program they're particularly right. good at, like blows my mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Or even like Microsoft Word, like people are capable of like drawing things out of it that I just can't get there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, But at the same time, I feel like I'm so much more resilient because I sort of came up during that period of technology where it was Mm -hmm. so bad. Right. That like, if we could get something to actually work, to actually spit out a document with like real text on real paper, we were like, (laughs) yes right? It it like exists kind of feeling, right? But because we were good at that sort of working around, I think we're, even though we don't necessarily know Excel so well, like I actually ended up going into Illustrator and doing all my spreadsheets in Illustrator because I know Illustrator, right? I Mm -hmm. don't know Excel. So it's, it's like a really kludgy thing to do spreadsheets in, to be honest, because like you have to import like the math as a little app and sort of sub uh, sub subret- connect it to the, to the original game engine part of uh, Adobe Illustrator, which is sort of old and like this weird kludgy thing, but that I know how to do because I used to have to do it for, right. for stuff at work, but it's not like the fastest way and it's not right. Adobe Excel, but like that kind of, resilience I think is really strong because one of the things that I've noticed as sort of technology goes forward is whatever you're trained up to, like you're really good at that, but everything that comes after that, you're always going to try to do it to the old mm-hmm. paradigm, right?
0: Exactly. And
2: and we've now done that so many times. So many times we've learned a paradigm and then had to relearn it because the software gets redesigned because new kind of users are tried to be brought into that Mm -hmm. software, right? Because the software industry is very much more focused on new users than existing users. So they're always going to change for what they Mm -hmm. think is better, right? But we've now done that so many times. We put up with that BS from the software companies, right? So because of that, we're like really good at that stuff. And I think law firms know that because their software like you look at the software now that serves legal firms and it's now been updated like at least 10 times since right? 2008 <laughs> which is a which is a lot of change mm-hmm. for them right which is why they're always struggling to get these young people who have been trained up on those things but i think our strength is that we've actually had to learn mm-hmm. a new thing right. periodically so we know how to how to weather That's that storm
1: true.
0: yeah
2: and
1: that can be applied to so many situations too, like it, like failure, like not doing well on a test. It's okay. We've, we've weathered a storm. We've right. failed many times before, so it's okay, you know?
2: Right. Uh, I'm always telling people that I couldn't care less what grades I get, and they're always mm-hmm. like, what? And I'm like, that's not why mm-hmm. I'm in law school. It's like as long as I get mm-hmm. through, I'm like perfectly happy with whatever right. grades I get. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing law school to get good grades. I'm doing law school to like come out and like – be a lawyer and like do right. lawyer stuff. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, that That's a, that's a good segue to another uh, question that I had for you in terms of resiliency. How do you manage or how do you manage these social interactions um, now as a law, as an older student in zoom law in COVID times?
2: Well, I will say that as an older student with like a very busy life, because I have three kids who are two of who are, well, one of who's in mm-hmm. his twenties now, uh, one of who's a teenager and one who's just about mm-hmm. to be a teenager. So I have these my sort friend. of right. And then I have my wife also who's <laughs> who's my age and, and has her own life right. and career and stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: And so I have these other worlds that I have to sort right. of live in as well. And so because of that I think I compartmentalize law school in a way that a lot of my fellow mm-hmm. students don't. Um And I think there's good things and I think there's bad things about that. Like I see like a lot of my fellow law students and they're literally eating and breathing and living Mm -hmm. law school, right? It's like everything to them. And like they'll literally go through their whole day in their sweats because they're so obsessed with the law and reading the law and writing about (laughs) the law and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, no, totally.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know
2: people like that, right? You call them up at, like, four in the afternoon and they're still wearing what they Uh were wearing yesterday, (laughs) Because they've just been, like, working on their memo or whatever it is, or doing research and getting, like, distracted by, like, cool statutes. But, like, I'm not like that, right? Like, I literally have to say, okay, this is my like law school time. And this is my like, okay, be with my kids time. And I really have to focus to like be with my kids and not no, think totally. about law school. Yeah. Because admittedly, the the material in law school is fascinating and compelling. And even if you didn't have to get tested on it, it's like still really yeah. friggin' interesting. It can be. Yeah. 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 Is, is friggin' a swear? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 okay, good. All
2: right, good.
0: Thank you for checking though. <laughs> All
2: right, because I could stop saying that and say, no, and say
0: no, a, yeah, that's it's good. <laughs> okay. That's PG13.
2: <laughs> but I, I, I really think that we we do have I, an advantage. I, I think really so think too.
1: And I mean, I guess it could be argued both ways about like the whole time stuff, because some could say that. There are advantages to being a younger student because you don't have these obligations, so you have more time to allot for law school itself, and you don't have to worry about money as much, you know, because your parents are still sending you toothpaste, you know, and um, you know, just other type of obligations. What do students should be? I I hear it all. (laughs) It's true. These are these are all facts. But, you know, the but then the the advantage of, you know, being someone with other things going outside of school, you know, you have more of a good work life balance. So then when we're done with law school Mm -hmm. and you're transitioning into, you know, the legal field as a professional, you still can carry over that balance. You know, and then you're not as susceptible yeah. to burnout and not being, you know, as yeah, yeah, mentally healthy or you know, all that kind of stuff because you're you're yeah. doing more at the same time. So even if you might not allocate as much time to law school itself, you are more of a yeah. maybe balanced human.
2: I'm gonna borrow like a, a p- cultural reference from like my okay. time. Okay. okay. So you guys might actually not know it, but there's this movie called Conan oh, like- the Barbarian in which Arnold I Schwarzenegger is. It. Yeah. Have you seen it? And like James Earl Jones plays like this evil king who looks like who turns into a snake and looks like a snake. Oh, it's <laughs> really good. But anyway, so the sort of story of Conan the Barbarian, right, is the hero who sort of goes and overcomes these different sort of challenges in life and eventually can be the sort of hero who challenges the king because he's overcome Mm -hmm. these other things. And I think that, that like, as an older student, you're sort of like that, right? Like, most of the battles of work-life balance I've sort of fought in my life. And while I may not have achieved the victory that I thought, right, I have achieved some sort of, like, détente or peace right, with it. And I'm sort of at, at terms with it. And so because of that, like law school very easily fit into like the work part of my work life mm-hmm. balance. And I didn't have to fight a lot of the same battles that I fought in the early part of my um you know the kids growing up and my wife having her career and me having my career and us trying to figure out, you know, how our time mm-hmm. was divided. Um, I think the only thing that I I find hard about being an older student that I would say is like a one drawback is just sort of stamina mm. and memory. Like, I think I, it's really hard to like remember stuff as easily mm-hmm. as I used to. I mean, I used to like read things once and it would like be stuck in my mm. brain forever. And now I can read things three times. And I'm like, what did I just read? <laughs> <Me too.
0: laughs> I have <Yeah>. no idea. <laughs>
2: And then you well, go, like, go to right class right. and the professor talks about it and you go, oh yeah, I remember that now. Now that you're saying that I remember it. <laughs> like if he calls on me, I have no idea what the heck <laughs> he's talking about. But I always, I always come up with some BS comment. That's one. You're, thing that you're, you're very understand. good at that.
1: <laughs> Perfecting the BS. Oh, yeah, of BS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I can always think of someone else's comment to like spin my comment off of, right? So I can always sort of, generally come up with something that sounds intelligent or at least like veer it into a question. So then he has to like talk and I can sort of like turn off my mic and go back to doing whatever (laughs) I was doing before.
0: That's actually a good, uh, another good segue into our next rule, which is to find your pack. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I know there are a few older law students, but not necessarily you have to like gravitate to a lot of older students, but just finding your core group of people that you can rely mm-hmm. on, I think is important for any age, but it's even more important when you're an older student. Would you agree? Or do you have a pack, Cash.
2: I, I guess I do. I guess I do. I think it's actually, yeah, because of how, how separate my life is from the law school life. I think it's really important that I do have friends who are also in school, who are also going through it so that I can talk to them about it. And They really nicely provide that bridge from my real life to like my law school life because they understand the same challenges that I'm going through and their kids are sort of of the same age. And so they're sort of going through the same things and their parents are the same age and they're going through those sort of things. And I think that's really important. Like three of my friends are the three oldest students in in this class. Right. So we sort of connect over that. Like we can talk about the we can make cultural references to Conan the Barbarian, got Conan Barbarian
0: all day long.
2: let <laughs> get it. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's important. Um, and I also think uh, interestingly, I also have like a really good friend, Marissa, who's now not at lo- longer at our school. She transferred to another school, but what was great about her is she was sort of like the sort of young student who, you know, had only just had a couple years out of college and, and decided to go to law school, and so I was able to like temper her intimidation, right? Because I think she really needed someone to feel like she was like okay and like everything was going to be okay, sort of thing, and just to sort of like talk to. And I'm like not bothered by anything, and so you know, the first few weeks of school, she's like, Oh my God, what just happened? Oh my God, we have this assignment. Oh my God, we have to do all this. Oh my God, (laughs) we have this test. And I was always like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, And so she was really good for me also, because I didn't really then panic because I always was so busy, like trying to like calm her down that I didn't panic myself. Um, And so I think it's good to have like a variety of friends. And then also what's his name? Uh, Ian is just like, Oh, he's just like such a great force in my life. I don't even (laughs) I can't even say about him. Um like I think we have almost nothing in common in terms of like our lifestyle or like things we do. He was on our fashion episode. But he's just like a really yeah oh really he's a really good person yeah. to talk to yeah and he really cares about like the people in mm-hmm. the world around him and even things that he doesn't care about he'll act like he's interested ah! which i think is actually a really good it skill is. for a it lawyer is. to have right just to, to sound yeah. interested and to sound like you care about people like that's always what they say right about bill clinton is he'd like look you in the eye and make you feel mm. like you were heard yeah. um and i think ian has that in spades, and I think a lot of older students also have that, is that ability to um, to talk to anyone like they're, right. they're actually listening.
0: Yeah, that, that actually. Um, thank you. That segues to our last rule, which is find your cub, mm-hmm. which is find maybe younger students who you necessarily wouldn't, um, uh, you know, have anything in common with, but at the same time they keep you. They keep you afresh. They keep you abreast. I mean, even with your children, I'm sure they keep you up to date on mm-hmm. everything. But like in law school, it's good to have, you know, uh, a couple of younger students out there oh, who know the latest oh, model totally. or know the tricks with yeah. um, recording and I, how to work Zoom. Oh, oh, totally. I always
1: forget where to log in for everything uh, or even just like I don't even know how to look up my what classes I was taking. So I'd have to like, actually like, how do I get onto the, the website again? You know? And so, and then they just laugh at me and they think it's charming.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of laughing. So when we were having school and in uh, in person, people, all the younger students would clown on me because I have, not that I'm like really bad, but I have back issues. Okay. I have scoliosis. Mm. So I don't have a backpack. I have a rolling luggage. And they'd be like, oh, here she goes. Grandma rolling in with her luggage. And I'm like, I got scoliosis. Leave me alone. <laughs> I am not that old. That's, that's one of the advantages to being at school at home. Nobody cracks on me about my rolling luggage. But some rolling luggage will save your back. Anyways, sorry.
2: <laughs> I think my hearing is bad enough that I don't hear anyone. I mean, like, people could be talking about me. I have no idea. I mean, I'm always, I'm always shocked when someone like comes up to me and says something in my face, cause I just haven't heard anything up to that point. Right. And then they're like in my face and all of a sudden I have to sort of focus my eyes, my hear- ears, but I find actually hearing voices from in that space, right. Where there's so many sounds mixing around. I find it really hard to pick out voice. And I think I'm ready for like a hearing aid <laughs> oh, some days, but, but I'm never going to do it because I'm way too vain. Right. To get a hearing aid, but I don't know. I think I need one. Ashton oh, my God. That's hilarious.
0: Oh, my goodness. But no, it's all about what makes you who you right. are. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I would say, you know, it's really, I, I think, because I sort of see them as my nieces. Like, I have these three nieces who are uh, 30, 26, mm-hmm. and 24. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of see a lot of the law students at that same Age as my nieces. Um, And so it reminds me of both of them, which I find very comforting. Like, I like seeing the young kids. It makes me feel good about, I don't know, I don't know what it makes me feel. It's it's like a nice feeling to see young people. Um, But then I also like really respect like where they're coming from because I think I know about that generation that it takes itself very seriously and that there are things that it really wants to change and it's making an effort to do that. And so I sort of come to them already uh, anticipating that they'll be sort of passionate and that they will be interesting and interested. And I will say that the young students that I've met who aren't right, who are really just there because it's like where they're supposed to be. It's kind of shocking. Like you're like, really? Really, you're, like, here at, like, you know, getting infused with this magical knowledge and it, like, it doesn't mean anything to you? Like, <laughs> really? <Wow.
0: laughs> All right. You yeah. know those people, <laughs>
2: yeah. right? You Like, you can't really understand, like, uh-huh. why they're there, right? They could just as well, like, you know, send away a $100,000 and, like, get a diploma in the mail and they'd be just as happy. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, my gosh. yeah is there anything um, that was fun is there there anything else you'd like to add um or any other yeah i I, I have
1: one last question for ash you know like for for me personally the people i respect the most in school are people you know who have families that have all these other outside obligations that decided to turn their brain on after years of not being in school and um i feel like there are a lot of people who um are contemplating going back to school whether it's law school or any other type of um, schooling especially now because it's COVID so Ash what advice would you have for somebody who is thinking about it you know and feels like I don't have the time I don't how am I going to allocate funds for it what about my kids is it going to like you know take away time from what um you know whatever they have going on what kind what kind of advice would you give for them
2: yeah um, I thought you were going to ask me what my go-to. Oh yeah, we will. Uh, we'll ask our later. I got, I got <laughs> that answer. <laughs>
0: the, you said it was oh, the oh, last
2: no, question, so I last have, a, have my last answer already. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you have to sort of do what you want to do when you come to this age. Like I'm now 55. This will be my 56th year, wow. and I, I just can't keep doing a job that I don't really believe in and be surrounded by people that I don't believe, um, share my, Mm -hmm. my views. And like, I don't need to be, you know, in a room with a hundred people who all shake their fist at the same thing. I shake their, my fist at, I think that, you know, that mix of people is good, but I also, I don't want to be just contributing to like the, the, greed in the world which is all advertising does so i think like at this age you have to sort of do what you want to do because i think this is your last opportunity on this earth to sort of make the difference you want to make in the world Um, and so i think it's important and and you can't let stuff get in your way like there's always going to be life there's always going to be financial issues there's always going to be political upheaval i mean if you look at history you know, upheaval is, is the norm, right. and, you know, peace is the, is the unusual thing. And so you have to be resilient and you've learned what you've learned and people want to know who you are as a person and that the information, even like weird superficial information about your life that, you mm-hmm. know, things that happened, like that's really oh, meaningful that's to people, right? Because you have, you have perspective on things that they don't have. Um, you have uh, a sort of patience and a tolerance for people because you've seen people struggle and you know exactly. what it is to struggle. Um, and so I think it's important that if you have something to give, to share that with people. And if you feel you're not getting that from your everyday life, I think the law is like a really good place to do that because, you know, we're surrounded by examples in our faculty and in our alumni and in the people who come to the school every day of people who are doing something, you know, to improve the world because of what they believe in. And I think that's really important. Um, I think financially, yeah, it's, it's a struggle. It's really expensive. But um, the amount of money that you can make when you come out of law school, it's not little, right? It's not a lot. Um, you, you may do something, you know, for a nonprofit, but at least you'll be paid like a decent wage, um, and there aren't many fields in the in the world anymore where you're going to get a decent wage, so you will be able to to pay for law school it's It's not undoable um I actually over the summer I got unemployment because i you know didn't have any work, and that was actually like really good to pay for like the summer and I think that you start to feel like the world just opens up to you that the more you try, the more there are things to do. And like, my grades are not good they're and and like I said, I haven't really spent any that much time thinking about them, but like that hasn't been an issue for any of the financial aid or the scholarships that I've applied for, and I got you know a scholarship from the school, and then I got a scholarship from a bank and in all both of those instances, like no one really cared about my grades. They were interested in my commitment and in me as a person and i and I think you should reassure yourself that you are good enough for this and that it's about who you want to be as a person that's really the dispositive factor as we say at law school it's not about you know what kind of obstacles or or difficulties you had but we all because we all do and I I think you're right like that's a niche that's often Mm -hmm. ignored at law school is the sort Mm -hmm. of older law student who has those kind of challenges like there's no club for like the old law student with yeah. kids club because <laughs> nobody <law> would join <laughs> it, right? It would be so embarrassing. <laughs> You'd be like, uh, can I, I'll just slip my phone number in here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's hard, but it's much less hard than it is for people who take themselves mm-hmm. too seriously. And, and we've learned not to take ourselves so seriously. And I think that's important. Awesome. All
0: right. Well, that, that's a, that's a good a good analysis and good way to wrap up everything um, in terms of how to manage law school as an older student. Number one, leverage your experience, whether it's through job interviews and just having that self-awareness of who you are and and what you have to offer. Um, Then finding your pack, finding your pack, whether it's older law students who are in the same cohorts with you and have the same understanding of you know, cultural references that you make and just being able to communicate with them on a certain level. And then also finding your, your cubs, finding the the younger students out there to, you know, keep you all fresh and keep you up to date with everything. I think we all have something to offer one, one another. And um, yeah, I'm just so, so thankful that you decided to be on this podcast with us, Ash. And thank you for stopping by, but before we let you go, (laughs) We always like to ask some fun questions of our guests and you are no different. So what is your go-to comfort food? Now that we've been home this whole time, what are you? what's your go-to that you always reach in the fridge for in between classes?
2: Oh, it's a comfort food I eat at home.
0: Or, or just or in yeah. general. Yeah. I, eat, yeah. I mean, I... I, 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 I,
2: I, I was, was. going to confess that I still really like McDonald's.
0: <laughs> okay. Like
2: in spite of all the bad news about McDonald's, I still really <laughs> like it. And and and, it, and there were parts of my life where it was like a guilty pleasure and I wouldn't tell anyone I was going to McDonald's. And I'd like go to McDonald's and my sister would be like dissing on McDonald's and I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's terrible, terrible you stuff. Know, I'd be like a sneaking a Big Mac. out there for fries. <laughs> yeah, i Big Mac. But I learned like two things. One is that you can order Big Mac sauce on anything on the menu. You don't have to eat a Big Mac just for the Big Mac sauce. And the second thing I realized is that it's like people have lived in like shitty parts of the world on shitty diets and they still survive. Right. There's like the Eskimo who live on nothing but fat for like six months out of the year. They just eat whale fat and they don't die. Right. So I think like the human body can put up with a lot. That, that's a good
0: advertising so
2: firm, I, uh, for yeah, McDonald's. But, <laughs> I'm okay with I, I'm McDonald's.
1: Well Wait, Ash, actually, it's funny you say that because my grandfather just turned 99 this past year and he'll be 100 in September. And uh-huh. every morning, well, pre-COVID, my uncle would take him to McDonald's and he'd have a McDonald's breakfast and coffee. And he nice. is still kicking. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, you know, mental health that keeps the body going. What's the sauce? Huh?
0: It must be the sauce. (laughs) That Big Mac sauce. (laughs) It's
2: Big Mac sauce. I get on everything. I get like a McChicken now and I put Big Mac sauce on it and then it's a good McChicken.
1: I'm craving McDonald's fries. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's right. okay um so the, the other fun question we have is what's your covid resolution so everyone has like a new year's resolution what they want to do throughout the year but because covid is still around what is this what is something that you want to do once covid is officially gone or manageable
2: oh that's what covid resolution is i thought you meant something you have to do during covid like learn a language or learn I, to knit um i mean make sourdough it too. bread it could or
0: let, let's let's do both. Let's do both. What's your what's your post COVID resolution? Right. or Your pre COVID or your current? COVID?
2: So my resolution was during COVID, I was going to get my youngest kid to ride his bike, and he did. yeah. And I'm like really really Aww, pleased about awesome. that. Um, and then my other one was just to like keep doing through law school and not like get <laughs> kicked out. But I was hoping that my my dad would survive to the end of law school, and I don't think he's going to. Oh no.
1: I'm sorry, Ash. I'm so
2: sorry. And my post-COVID law school revolution, resolution is that I will go and see mm. my mom and go, like, stay with her for a while because I, I haven't been there very much. Where,
0: where's your mom? So
2: I'll do that in Washington, oh. D.C. Okay. Oh,
0: I'm so sorry, Ash.
2: Yeah. Life moves on. You're resilient. Right. You're old.
0: Yeah. That's
2: actually- sooner or later it's going to be me. I on my deathbed. Don't
0: say that, Ash.
2: <laughs> but I know now how to write a will. I know how to do power of attorney. There you go. Like thank you <laughs> Professor Jeff Minetti.
0: Thank you so much Ash for being here and um KJ, where can the people reach us? Yes,
1: so we outside. we're on um Instagram at two legit podcast. That's the number two legit. Um and you can listen to us. But um yeah, Spotify, Apple, um, Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here, Ash. Thank bye. you for dropping so many gems for everybody today. I just I feel like I've been Bless holding you, you yeah. all day. So thank
2: awesome. you. That was fun.
1: All right. Okay, bye. Bye y'all. Bye, legal people.